Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Um, I was watching a video about a family who found out that their four-year-old little girl, their daughter, needed glasses. And they felt horrible because they had no idea that she was even struggling. They went to um, her just wellness check when she turned four years old. And they're, you know, checking your heart and they're checking your ears. And it came time to check her eyes. And so she went out and did the familiar, you know, put your hand over your eye and look at the chart. And because she's four and she's so little, it wasn't letters that she was looking at in the chart because she doesn't even know her letters yet. She's that little. Um, It was shapes. And it's the same thing where it's the bigger shape at the top. And as the lines go down, the shapes get smaller and smaller. And it was really apparent from the minute she put her hand over her eyes that she could not see. And her family looked back in hindsight and said, oh, maybe those times where she ran into that table, maybe she wasn't just messing around. Maybe she's not this little four-year-old that just moves too fast. She actually couldn't see. And in this story, as the parents are sharing this, they actually got rid of this table Um, because she ran into it three times, and they just thought that the color matched and blended in with the wall, and she just didn't see it. But little did they know, she was really, really struggling. Thank you. Um, She, poor little girl, she went to the eye doctor, so she went in, and she realized that her vision was so bad that it couldn't even be corrected with her first pair of glasses. Um, They said that it would shock her brain and her eyes too much if they went straight into the vision that she needed to correct it all the way. So she got her first pair of glasses, and it is only partway through um, because they didn't want to, they wanted to ease her into the adjustment. And so she got to put on her pair of glasses, and she could see the world in more clarity than she had ever seen before. And you could see her little face just smiling, thinking, wow. I can see that tree over there. I didn't know it was there. I can see God's creation in a way that I have never seen before. And I've seen videos like this where little toddlers as young as a year who are hearing for the first time when they get when they get hearing aids and they hear their mom's voice or their dad's voice and it's just so touching. Today we're going to be in a story in the book of Mark, Mark 4, starting in 35. So if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, go ahead and turn or scroll there. Mark 4.35, this is passage of scripture where the disciples have a clarifying moment. It's as if they're putting glasses on and seeing Jesus for who he is for the first time in a different way. So this is what it says, starting in verse 35. Hear the word of the Lord. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, Don't you care that we're going to drown? So let me set the scene. Jesus had just begun his public ministry. This is Mark chapter 4. So it's not like they have been seeing Jesus doing all these things for so, so long. Although 
People were coming out of the woodwork because he was doing things. He was casting out demons. He was healing. He was um, preaching and teaching. And people wanted to hear and wanted to get a glimpse of what he was doing. And so it had only been going on for, for not too long. And they're sitting here and they're there. And the disciples, they got a first row seat to it. These people would come and they were trying to get just close enough to maybe be able to hear Jesus or maybe be, to be able to see Jesus from a far, far distance. But his disciples, they were there for all of it. So um, in chapter 2, talking about the crowds, um, again, early, early on in his ministry and people were already taking notice. In chapter 2, um, people, four, four people had a friend who was paralyzed. And you know this story um, they couldn't get to Jesus because there were so many people there. And so they lowered their friend down on a mat through the roof, trying to get him to be able to see Jesus, and he was healed. In chapter 3, people heard that Jesus was at the lake, and they wanted to go and get a, a glimpse of what he was preaching about. And so they go, and he tells his disciples, get a boat ready because I'm afraid I'm going to be crushed. People are trying to come at me. They're they're coming close to me. They're trying to touch me. So people had taken notice. And like I said, the disciples, these are the ones who actually got to see everything. So it's safe to say that the disciples are the ones that knew Jesus the most. And they knew what Jesus was capable of the most. One of the benefits of being a disciple is that when, when Jesus was done preaching, he only preached in parables to the crowds. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained it to his disciples in a way that they could understand. And so again, these are the people that were in the boat with Jesus. They knew what he was capable of. Um, theoretically, the disciples are the ones that would have had the deepest and strongest faith. And so instead of having quiet time with Jesus in the boat the way that they thought they were going to get, um, and they're not being bombarded by crowds anymore, but now they're being bombarded by the waves and the wind, and this fierce storm. It was tumultuous. It was terrifying for these people, and it was life-threatening. The boat was beginning to take on water, and there was Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. When I think of boats taking on water, I instantly think of the Titanic, which many of you may have thought of too. Um, this was a massive, unsinkable ship, um, it was supposed to be the safest place to be on the water. And in its maiden voyage 110 years ago, it hit an iceberg. And most, if not all of you know the story, um, it was really bad really quickly. It only took five minutes for the captain and the crew to start calling for help when they hit that iceberg because they knew this is not good. We have a lot of people on this boat and our boat is taking on water. So they go and they call for help in all the ways that they had. They used telegraphs, and they were saying, come save us. We need help. We need people to come right now. We, we don't have enough lifeboats. Come help us. They also were setting off distress flares, which are like rockets or fireworks in the air, saying, come, come see us. They knew that there was boats around. Come help us. We need help. There was a boat 20 miles away, and they saw this, the distress flares, and didn't think that it was a cause for concern. They didn't think that they were in trouble and they didn't come help. 
by, re by the Titanic calling for help, they were desperate and they knew that they were trying to say, hey, we need help. We know that somebody is there. They were saying, we know that we can't do it ourselves and we know that there's somebody else that can help us. So please, please come help us. So I find it per peculiar in Mark chapter four, as you heard, they didn't, the disciples didn't go to Jesus and cry out for help and say, save us. They instead say, said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I've heard this account many, many times, and there's often a twinge of judgment for the disciples, saying, why did you freak out? Or, um, how could you forget that Jesus was in the boat with them? Couldn't they have remembered that Jesus was there? And maybe they did forget that Jesus was in the boat. That's really plausible, right? It could have been an out of sight, out of mind kind of thing where here they are, they're, they're getting pelted by water. This, this water is coming on their boat. Their boat is drowning. They're, they're hearing the wind and they're feeling the wind. So maybe because Jesus was in the back of the boat, maybe they really did forget that he was there because they were there all hands on deck, probably grabbing buckets or anything that they had and trying to grab the water and throwing it out, trying to save themselves, Right? Remember I said earlier that these are the people that would have known Jesus the best. They would have known what Jesus was capable of, and they didn't go to Jesus and say, save us. They instead panicked, and they were trying to do what they could do on their own. So maybe they forgot that Jesus was in the boat. That is likely, but I don't think that that's what's happening here. I think that they very well knew that Jesus was in the boat. I think that they knew he was asleep on the cushion, but they didn't go to him because I don't think that they knew and had a firm grasp of what he was capable of yet. Again, this is early on in the ministry, and they knew that he had authority to preach, and they knew that he could heal, and they knew that he could cast out demons, but this was completely different. This was having authority over all of creation, over the winds and the waves. So oftentimes, like I said, people view this passage of scripture and they look at the disciples and there's, there's kind of a bit of, what were you thinking? Why couldn't you just open your eyes and see that Jesus was right there? Why couldn't you have faith? But we have to remember that these people, these disciples, were experiencing Jesus for the very first time in all his power and glory. They didn't grow up hearing Jesus loves me the way that many of you either taught your kids or you learned yourself. They didn't grow up knowing that Jesus loves the little children before they could even read, the way that many of our teens here may have heard as little kids. Um, the disciples, they were beginning their journey of walking with Jesus. They didn't know, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. They didn't know yet that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. Each one of us are on this journey together of walking with Jesus as well. And some of us are there with the disciples. This is the first time you're hearing some of these stories and you're seeing the incredible power that Jesus has. And praise God for that. Other of us are on further along in the journey where we're learning to trust God and to have faith even when we don't see what he's doing. But we're all on this journey. No one has arrived yet. We're here and we are continuing to mature and to grow in the love and grace of God who is faithful and who is good. So what did the disciples do? They woke up Jesus. 
They didn't ask for him to save them. Instead, they wanted him to share in the panic and say, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Why aren't you grabbing a bucket with us and getting the water or a shovel or whatever you had and start throwing it off, right? This is what it says in the last part of the, of the story, starting in 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So Jesus wakes up and he does something incredible. He shows that he has authority over creation. He rebukes the wind and says to the waves, silence, be still. And immediately there's peace. And it's as if these disciples had this aha moment. You see it in cartoons where you have little light bulb moments, right? Where the little light bulb illuminates. You know what I'm talking about? You don't even need to hear what, what the situation is going. The minute you see that light bulb moment, you know that that person is seeing something that they didn't see before. Something is illuminated that was previously in the dark. Something clicked. And I think that's what's going on in this story, that the disciples had this aha moment. They were terrified and said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? They knew Jesus was worth following. They were in his inner circle. They left their livelihoods. They left the things that they knew to literally follow this man around and to hear him preach and teach and heal and perform miracles. They knew something was particularly different already. But they were learning they were at this beginning of this journey of following Jesus, and they were moving from getting your feet wet in the faith to jumping all in. And Jesus here proved that he has power in an undeniable way. These people couldn't leave without having that aha moment, knowing that there is something worth following in this man, more than just wanting to see a cool show, more than just seeing something that could be fun. This is somebody who has authority. That Jesus is the real deal. And you can't know that until you know that. You can hear all the time and know in your, in your head that Jesus loves you, but until you know it in your heart, it's not going to change or transform you. You can know in your head all the things that Jesus did in the Bible, but until you believe in your heart with every fiber of your being that these are true stories that Jesus did, that he has this authority how many times can you be told something, but it doesn't sink in until you believe it for yourself, right? That happens until you experience it yourself. I think back to this family and this little girl from earlier. They, they filmed the moment that she got to put on her glasses for the first time. And it's interesting to me, I was thinking through as I was watching this video, and this little girl had no idea that she could see better. She didn't know in that moment until they told her, hey, you need glasses, that that's not what other people see. She thought that that was normal. And so when she puts on her pair of glasses for the first time and she sees with sharpness and clarity in a way that she had never seen, her smile and just pointing every single thing out. When we have that clarity in our hearts where we see, wow, 
God can do these things. You want to start looking at all the parts in your life saying, hey, I can look back and know that Jesus did that. And I think to this little girl, I think that she only has her prescription part of the way. It's not for another several months that she's going to be able to have the prescription where she's going to be able to see with full clarity, with her full vision. And it reminds me that that's sometimes what the journey of Jesus looks like, right? We see glimpses and we see parts and, and moments and we're, we're maturing and we're continuing to go so we can see that full picture of who Jesus is. Several weeks ago, um, I didn't tell this girl that we're talking about this, and she's here, so we'll see if she remembers. Several weeks ago, we were talking about this story, Jesus calming the storm in uh, with the first Naz kids. And so we asked, uh, would you be afraid if you encountered a storm like this? And she confidently raised her hand and said, no, not if Jesus is in the boat with me. And that's exactly right. That's absolutely right, because she knew that Jesus is almighty that he has the authority over creation, and that nothing is too great or too powerful for Jesus. It's in these aha moments that God reveals himself and continues to transform our hearts and our minds to be able to see who he is. He never stops showing up, and Jesus never stops revealing his power to us. And he does this because he loves you, and he wants to be in a relationship with you. Jesus is our Savior who knows you by name, and he has all this authority, all this power, and yet he's seeking after you. He knows everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly. And as we were singing today, we were singing the song, um, Come, now is the time to worship, and you come just as you are. And Jesus says that, come just as you are. He says, welcome, my child. Come to me, all who are weary, And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I want you to think what your aha moments have been. Those times where you can look back and say with clarity that you saw Jesus working in your life. You saw God show up and reveal himself in a mighty way. I'm going to pray for us. And like I said, this is Youth Sunday, so I'm really excited that we're going to have two of our teens come and share Um, what God has been doing in their lives and the ways that they can see God working in the youth group. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for how good you are, that in all your authority and all your power, you choose us, that you choose to have relationship with us. God, we, we thank you for all of those here who have grown up being on this journey with you, We also thank you for the people here that may be hearing these stories for the very first time. God, you have your arms open wide saying, welcome, come to me. It doesn't matter where you are in this journey, we're all on this journey with Jesus. God, we just pray that as we leave here, we'll be able to have those aha moments where we can remember and see clearly who you are. And God, we just pray that that transforms us, that your spirit transforms us from the inside out, that we won't be able to walk away, that we won't be able to, to believe lies, that maybe, maybe you're not true. Because in those aha moments, there's no denying that you have power, and that you are everywhere, and that you love us. God, I pray now for um, Jordan and for Abby, who are going to be coming and sharing their hearts, sharing their testimonies of where you've worked God, we pray that we can learn from them, and we pray that you continue to show up 
as they seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, guys. So I'm going to share a little bit of how I felt this story um, metaphorically play out in my life a couple years ago. And so I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'm going to share my testimony. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So I had a little bit of a storm a couple years ago, and it was around my youth group years. And I entered youth group in 2016. I was a little bitty seventh grader. And it was to a kind of dwindling youth group that I walked into. And by 2018, my youth group had hit rock bottom. So not only were we consistently hosting only around six to eight teenagers, there were no connections being made, and relationships with God were not being built on. Youth group is Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8, and I would show up exactly at 6.30, walk in, sit down, and as soon as 8 o'clock hit, I would get up and leave. I didn't want to talk to anyone there. I didn't want to build my relationship with God. I just showed up because mom said, you're going to youth group on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and it was this point, and I wasn't enjoying it, and I didn't feel fed, and I didn't feel like this was something where it was like the highlight of my week. Oh, I get to go to youth group because I had finally become a teenager, and it was just kind of like, eh. I didn't, didn't feel filled when I came. And I was coming to Wednesday nights, and even Sunday mornings out of a sense of obligation. I wasn't coming because I really, really wanted to be there. But I knew that I had a relationship with God, and I knew that because that was important to me, I was going to keep showing up. So whether or not I loved church, I knew that I loved Jesus, and my relationship with Jesus was important. So I showed up and gathered with my fellow believers every single week, whether I felt like it or not. And so during these difficult years, when my youth group wasn't growing and I wasn't feeling filled at church, I'm crying out to God. I felt like I was in this tumultuous storm. And I'm crying out to God. I felt like I was in a storm and Jesus was asleep in my boat. I was confused and upset. And I was like, why are you not freaking out? Why, why, why am I the only one who cares that I don't feel filled at youth group and that we're not having any connections at church? Is that not bothering you? I mean, did not God not care that his youth group was perishing? Did, did he look down from heaven and see six to eight teenagers who didn't really care to look at each other when they showed up on Wednesday nights? Was that his plan? Was, was he like, yes, I'm so happy that that's where we're at. That's how I'm going to share my kingdom. I was so hurt and I was so confused. And then God started working. In 2020, things changed because our group was the first group to open up after the pandemic. And God took these eight unconnected teenagers that didn't want to show up on Wednesday nights 
and he gathered us together with 42 of our closest friends. He, he took all 50 of us, and he began to shape us into the youth group that we have today. It was definitely a journey, because even though we were growing, it wasn't until about halfway through 2021 that I stopped counting who showed up every single week. We would, we would gather together, and we would be talking or doing the devotion, and I would stand in the back by the door and count heads every single week, and I knew exactly who had been there and exactly who didn't show up next week. And when I noticed, oh, that person wasn't there, it was instant panic. It was, what did I do? Did I introduce myself wrong? Did I shake their hand wrong? Did, was I too strong? I have a loud voice. That might be the problem. It was complete panic of why weren't they there? What had I done wrong? And I would drive home and I would cry out to God and be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to screw that up. We just lost another one. We're never going to see them again. And I was so, so scared that we were going to be back to teenagers who didn't want to show up on Wednesday. And then when I finally stopped counting and when I finally gave the youth group back to Jesus and when I finally admitted that I didn't need to control it, I didn't need to take care of it because I was so scared I trusted Jesus with his youth group, and I felt him say, peace, be still. Because I remember the night that I was driving home, and I thought, I forgot to count. I have no idea, but I trust that Jesus brought us together, so they're all going to be here next week. And I was filled with so much relief and so much contentment when I admitted that keeping teenagers at church wasn't my job. While I had been trying to keep it all together and make sure that everyone was going to show up, Jesus had been building the youth group that I prayed for. The group was filled with so much joy, and I realized that it was a privilege that I got to be a part of what Jesus had built. And I still don't get what God was doing those first couple of stormy years, and I don't think I ever will. I might get to heaven, and I might not get it. But I have a relationship with the one that the winds and the waves obey. He's blessed me with a connected youth group. We're actively pursuing relationships with Jesus and each other. Jesus' youth group that I get to be a part of is everything that I hoped for when I stepped into the edge six years ago. Because now at 9.30, the adults are like, are your parents going to want you at home anytime soon? Could, could you move this conversation to the parking lot? People are texting me being like, could we show up at 5.30? Would that be okay? Can we hang out beforehand? And then we'll go eat together afterhand. And then obviously we'll all be hanging out together on Friday and Saturday. And I'll see you on church on Sunday. It's so much, so amazing to me. We have three rows of people right now. There used to be two up here. We, <laughs> we are the kind of people who the minute somebody says something, we all gather around them and pray. We have a group chat between all of us, and anytime anything between like a minor final and a major hospitalization, we text each other, and we will show up and pray for that person. We, I can't even describe what we're, going, what we're going through and what we're working with, and I mean the worship team, transforming. I'm, oh, I'm so proud of you guys, and I'm so, so happy that I get to share this, and Abby's going to share a little bit more with us. Hello. So first, I just want to share a little story that I remembered when she was talking about the numbers. So I think it was last year, no, two years ago, Halloween, we were like, hey, Todd, if we can get 50 people to youth group the Wednesday before Halloween, will you dress up as a princess? And he was like, sure, because there was no way we were getting 50 people. We had like 60-something people. So Todd showed up to Halloween dressed as Elsa. Yep. 
If you want pictures, see me after. I have lots. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a few examples of how God is working in our youth group. So one example is a couple months ago, we had this girl in our youth group who had some very, like, serious health issues. And she was just, we were all, like, kind of scared about it. We weren't sure what was going on. We all prayed around her that Wednesday, and the next day she went and got tested, and everything that was wrong with her was gone. So that was one aha moment, as Becca said. Um, Our biggest aha moment, I would say, is, so last year we went on a work and witness trip to Republic Washington, and we were remodeling the church. We went to Silverwood, and we just, it was a really good time for all of us to bond. There were about like 20 of us, I'm pretty sure, and us 20 are still very close because of the instances. We have some unspeakable instances that we don't talk about. (laughs) Lily knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, but so one of the nights, we, it was storming. So we were literally in a storm, and we were stuck inside the church. And there was a piano. And Garrett was playing Pirates of the Caribbean, as one does. And all of a sudden, someone was like, hey, can you play this worship song? And can you play this worship song? How about this worship song? And then we just started playing worship music. Then we all started singing. And then it turned into a worship session, which turned into a prayer circle where we all prayed for each other. And as we were going around praying for each other, the last person to be prayed for was this girl, and her grandma was in the middle of passing, and she hadn't accepted Jesus yet. So she was basically, like, crying out to the Lord, like, please, like, have her accept you. And we were all praying for this girl, like, please have her grandma, like, accept you. Like, this is, like, it's serious. We need you to answer this prayer. And so we get done with our prayer circle. We're all like emotional, sobbing messes. And um, she gets a call from her dad. And we're like on a youth group trip. She's like, oh, what did my dad want? And this was 20 minutes later. I just, I'll point that out. And her dad says, I just got off the phone with your grandma. She just accepted Jesus a couple minutes ago. So... That was not only an aha moment for our youth group, I feel like. It was definitely an aha moment for me because I've always been like, oh, yeah, I pray to God. Does God answer my prayers? Who knows? But then for that to happen 20 minutes later, that the prayer was answered and that she accepted Jesus in, like, an insane timeline is just incredible to me. And, yeah, it was just... I like unspeakable like I can't even like find the words to describe it and I remember when we were in the worship in the prayer circle and we were just all praying for each other I took a step back and I looked at it and I was like this is more than a youth group like we are like these are friendships that like I feel like are gonna last forever everyone always says your friends in high school don't always stick these friends will because I don't see how we couldn't after experiencing a, like a legit miracle Like, it's not just a prayer request answered. That was a miracle that 20 minutes later, this lady called her son and was like, hey, I just have the urge to accept Jesus into my heart because we prayed, like, however many miles away. And that's just, it's incredible. And I just, this is for all of you guys. I appreciate all of you guys so much, like, so, so much. And so, yeah. Um, God is moving in our youth group, and I know so many more kids have so many stories, and that group chat 
I don't think there's a single day where no one like texts in it. Like everyone's just like, oh hey, I have a test. Oh hey, my grandma's not doing well today. Um, I remember one time we had a member of the church who had a health issue and everyone showed up to their house and prayed and then they were healed. And so, yeah, God is, that's how God's moving in our youth group. God is moving and God is big and he answers prayers. And so if you find yourself in a storm today, Think about your aha moments and remember the ones that you're hearing about today from Abby and from Jordan. And you can even probably grab a team after and ask, what is an aha moment for you? And they might be able to share one. Maybe you can share one to them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for our youth group and what you're doing in the lives of, of our teens. God, we pray that they'll move from, from knowing that you love them to truly believing in their heart that you love them and that you're seeking after them, that you are pursuing them. And I pray that prayer for everybody here this morning, that they know that you are pursuing them actively. God, we pray that they know that they are in your presence this morning. No matter what is going on, whatever storms of life they may be dealing with right now or in the future, we know that we can go to you because you are our personal God, that wants to hear about who we are and where we are. You're not at arm's length. You're not far, far away. You are here with us, God. You are, you are with us. You are in our boat. You stay with us. And God, we know that you are worth following. And pray, we pray that you just bring those aha moments to us, to where we know without a shadow of a doubt that there is nothing too big for you to handle, that there's nothing too great or too powerful for you. God, we thank you for the testimonies that we've heard this morning, and we just pray that you continue to strengthen um, Jordan and Abby and all the other teens, and we pray that you strengthen them as a body of Christ and that they're able to know that this is what the church looks like. God, we pray that they know that this is you at work. It's not what they're doing. It's what you're doing in and through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and join us in one more song? And the youth group, they like to worship in ways of movement and ways of actions. And so they wanted to invite you into worshiping the way that they worship on a Wednesday night. And so we have some leaders over here um, that are going to show you kind of a glimpse of what, what worship looks like at youth group. Death is beating, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day. Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. 